Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. To High Stakes Episode 22. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And today our guest is Emac. You can find him on Twitter at EmacDFS. Uh, Emac won the 2007 Fantasy Baseball Grand Prize, which was a trip for two to the MLB All-Star Game in the Roto format on ESPN season long. He won again in 2008 in the head-to-head format just to prove that he can do it in multiple formats. He had to go back and win again. And Emac has been doing DFS content since 2012, 2011, 2012. Maybe you can clarify for me there, uh, Emac. But Emac has been doing content, DFS content for forever. He is a great player. Uh, He doesn't play high stakes. He plays mostly low stakes, but he crushes at those stakes uh, and has done very well for himself playing on DraftKings and FanDuel. Emac, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on the show, Neil. I've listened to, I believe, all of your episodes, all 21 or 22 that there have been thus far. Thoroughly enjoy this platform and and thrilled to be joining you today. Yeah, you were my 22nd guest. I guess uh, we did cut, we would break up Jordan Cooper's episode into uh, two parts (laughs) because it was so long. So however you want to define that, uh, yeah, you are. I I call this our 22nd show because you're our 22nd guest. Uh, And I'm really excited to have you on, especially because... You are, uh, as everybody knows, a future president of the United States. I've got my EMAC 2024 shirt on, uh, so I'm excited to interview you. I'll start with a question about your presidential campaign coming from Choke Holdem, who asked, uh, what party are you running for? That's a great question. I, I think we'll, we'll have to come up with the party. It will be, it will be not uh, going under one of the, the current two-party structures, because let's face it, things are kind of broken uh, in the U.S. today. There are hats on both sides <laughs> shall we just leave it at that and we, we need we need something new so the platform is a pizza in every oven 
I think I think that's an attainable goal. Pizza makes everybody happy. We can have vegetarian, we can have gluten-free, we can have whatever we want. Pizza in every oven. We're going to be nice to each other and no more lying. We're going to be truthful. Those, those are the three tenets of, of uh, the, the EMAC 2024 platform. I was going to get you with like a, with a gotcha moment on your pizza because, you know, there are gluten-free people. But then you came right out and said you can have gluten-free pizza. So you're, you're really open to pizza for everybody. How about no assets? Is that also part of your political party? Yeah, there's that's being kind. That's being rather kind to, to some people. When did we turn to such a disaster of, of, of a human being, of human race, shall we say? It's, a, it's across not just the U.S. either. So. Yeah, it does, it does seem worse uh, in recent years. I would say probably forever is, is the real answer, but uh, yeah. it does seem more uh, open in recent years that people are fighting a lot. Uh, uh, on, on that note, I also got a listener question from Seth1374, who I imagine might be a political rival of yours. I'm not sure. He wants to know why you are the worst. He is, he is my sworn Twitter enemy. We are, are bitter, bitter rivals, but we talk all the time in Discord. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. He's, he's a really good guy, really sharp guy. Um, we, we like to find different angles of, uh, you know, how to approach the different sites. We keep each other apprised of overlay. And though he is not quite in my age bracket, he's, he's closing in on being a fellow old. So we have to stick together. Yeah, I don't really know much about Seth other than if you post anything positive about EMAC on Twitter, Seth is going to come in with a counterpoint <laughs> to undermine your positive point about EMAC. Or if you say anything about EMAC, he's going to come in. I think he checks my that. mentions. I don't know how, I don't do, I can tell when people tag me and stuff, but I, I think he searches out everything. It seems so. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't, you don't know how to, how to search people's mentions because you are, uh, you're an old, as, as you just said, just yeah. not a big Twitter. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Enough, enough on, on the political platform, enough on uh, your rivalry with Seth. Uh, let's get into your background. Let's talk a little bit uh, DFS and, and fantasy sports in general. Uh, let's just, let's get right into it. Uh, I'll start with the questions that I ask every guest. What kind of background do you have in statistics? Do you have formal or informal training? So good um, background and analysis. I went to school and studied accounting. I'm actually uh, a CPA, though I'm not practicing. I still do uh, hold my license and have to do an ethics exam and all that fun stuff to maintain it as an inactive status. But so I did accounting and finance for a decade plus, all sorts of forecasting, uh, things of that nature, worked in real estate, worked in biotech, so a lot of R&D background, um, uh, stuff like that. And then I moved over into, got a little bored. It's the same thing, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, lather, rinse, repeat. It's kind of boring. Uh, so I moved into HRIS, uh, which is human resource information system. So kind of your your payroll system, stock system, stuff like that at, at one of the biotech companies. And then I moved from there, I moved into compensation. So that's kind of my regular um, job now. I've been doing it for close to 15 years. So people say, oh, well, what is what is compensation? What, what does that mean? So essentially what that means is I oversee um, I usually need to work at a company that has at least 2,000 people. Typically, it's going to be at a national headquarters, more often than not, though not always publicly traded. Um, but right now, I work at a company that has 25,000 people, you know, $2 billion in payroll. So I help oversee offer letters, bonus plans, the annual salary planning cycle. Uh, build out salary structures, figure out what we should pay people, uh, you know, the counter offers, stuff like that. So anything related to money um, or equity or bonus, I uh, have a hand in usually. And this company is rather large. So there's a team of about five of us that do it. Most companies I work at, there's it's just me or it's two people. So that's, that's kind of the background. But it's like, 
DFS in that, that one, you're constantly analyzing. The difference between that and DFS, you never know when you're going to be right. I can come up with great ideas, what's best practice, come up with a unique thing to solve for a particular issue, but the time horizon to measure it could be years. And then you won't even know if it's, did people leave because they hated the manager or they didn't like the plan you put into place, right? So right. you never know for sure. So it's a lot like DFS, right? But DFS, you at least get that instant gratification of, was I right in this moment? <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm always going to be right, but how did I do in this moment? So that's that's sort of what appeals to me for DFS. But so while semi-formal training, really good in Excel, but no programming skills. I went to school before uh, the internet existed. I started out on Excel 2.0 back in 1990. So, yeah. I'm so I, I didn't even send you the questions, but because you've watched all the episodes, you knew that my next question was going to be about computer programming. Uh, so, so no yes. real experience there. Um, yeah, you do so much content that uh, I didn't even realize until today, as I was kind of looking through some of your stuff, I was like, wait, Emac is not a full-time content guy. <laughs> and, and, you, and you play small stakes and it's because you, uh, you are so busy with, you have a day job on top of all of the content you put out on, on top of playing DFS, you have a uh, fulfilling, uh, day, uh, demanding day job. So that's uh, pretty impressive. Um, let, let's get into your, your background. So, so I mean, yeah. you kind of uh, explained your um, your job to us a little bit. Um, but uh, how about outside of that? Let's get into your DFS background and maybe any related hobbies. How, how did you get into, uh, first, I guess you could ask, you could start with, how did you get into DFS? Sure. So I found, I stumbled across DFS. So I started playing on in ESPN, right? So like, like when I started fantasy sports, we looked at the newspaper once a week and sporting or sporting news or whatever and wrote up things by hand. And when my buddy and I figured out how to download, and it wasn't called an API back then, but we figured out how to download like stat files and write a macro that would calculate our weekly rotisserie basketball and, and baseball leagues, we thought that was, we were like super smart. Uh, so th that was fun. Again, internet didn't really exist. Like you you dial out, but you didn't see anything. You just got information uh, back to your computer. So that, that was sort of my first foray into fantasy sports. So I loved it. I thought it was great. It was interesting. It was fun. And then uh, played on DF on um, ESPN for quite some time. And there was find a bunch of people like-minded gamers, right? So we didn't really have there's no Twitter or anything like that, but there was message boards. So people would kind of recruit you in, to be into one of their little groups. And then you would play against these other little groups or little tribes. And we had our own little intricate scoring systems and whatever, but it was like, all right, let's find a bunch of hardcore people. So that was like, like the hardcore everyday DFS players, they'd be in that kind of stuff if DFS didn't exist. So that was a lot of fun. And then from there, that's where you had mentioned the beginning where I, I, I won a, a couple huge prizes actually at, uh, at ESPN. So what they used to do is index your, your leagues and they were pay leagues. You had to pay like, it worked out to like $9.99 for a league. And if you bought five of them, it was like $7.99. And the reason you paid, you win a t-shirt at the end. Woohoo. Who cares about that? Or you got points at the ESPN store, but people paid a little bit of money. They're probably going to try as opposed to free leagues where people draft and then they just quit. So what, what they did is they would index your league score with all of the stats, how your team did within that, and then how your league did against all the other scores, assign you a rating. And that's how I, I came in first uh, in those years. So playing against hundred, a couple hundred thousand leagues, all the people, et cetera. It'd be like the equivalent of winning like back-to-back -back Wildcats uh, on DK or back-to-back yeah. -back slams, basically. So not like, oh my God, back-to-back -back Millie Makers, but no. 
it was like the biggest thing out there back then. It yeah, was a trip or two I mean, to, the, to the all-star game ride and and uh, like a $1,500 Best Buy gift card and ESPN store credit and stuff like that, a jersey, whatever, you know, whatever the package was. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. So my so, wife thought that was pretty cool. So I got to go to the St. Louis all-star game. Uh, and then the next year we went to Anaheim uh, was where the all-star game was. And so we got to go to do Disney parks during the day and the baseball stuff at night. So that was fun. And the third year I got 10th overall again. And she's like, well, how come you didn't win? I'm like, do you know how yeah. hard this no one's ever you? won twice? And I did it in two different disciplines. And, and she's yeah. like, well, but I wanted to go to Arizona. That would be nice to go to Arizona. I'm like, we'll, we'll just go to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> wait for you don't have to win something yet to go on vacation uh okay so i'm i'm very curious about this now uh i didn't realize so how, uh to the extent you're willing to share like how, how big were the prize pools for winning these things oh that that was the prize the grand prize it was, was a, okay. literally trip for, yeah the 1099 was like between five and seven thousand dollars each year okay each of the two years i won and did you they know do, you know hotel and airfare and all that so did, did you know like going into the final week that you were in competition for this that, that you were like in the towards the top yeah. of the leaderboard you you could tell where you were the first year i won it it was the, a random year where there ended up being three extra games after the regular season and back then they used to count them so there had to be a there had to be a game 163 in one of the the things and then who, the winner of that had to beat another team because they would have been tied for something it was so it was this whole thing and I ended up like just barely skinning your teeth winning. But the, the important thing is how, what is the strength of your league? And in the league, when I won it was actually the guy who had won it the year before. Wow. So I was asking, Hey, what do you get? What did they do? Tell me what you get. Cause they're real. Like you, Oh, we're, you, you win a trip for two and there's like no other details. Yeah. So yeah, it was a little, like you think it's shady, but then you get there and you get, you know, you get the lanyard and the placard and all the passes and you hang out with, or you would be at the hotel with all the ESPN personalities and stuff like that. So it's That's cool. very cool. Yeah. yeah. And I can tell you that like, so, so the tournament of champions, the only live final I've ever been to kind of similar in that there's not a lot of information. Like I was scouring the internet for like anything I could find on what did I win here? What, what's involved in this? And there's just not a ton of information. Yeah. What they don't I tell you is, Oh, close. here's, here's tickets to the celebrity all-star game. Here's tickets to the futures game. Oh, here's this. Oh, you can go to the, to this ESPN thing. And Oh yeah, we're sorry. We, we'll, we'll send you over here. And you're like, that would have been cool to know all that before we got there, but hey. Yeah. Cool. So the, the first year, the first tournament of champions was at the Super Bowl, right? Is in Florida, in Tampa Bay. And we got to do the NFL experience and they gave us these special bracelets. They didn't tell us that the bracelets could get you into anywhere you anywhere. wanted at the NFL experience. So like you could cut the lines. So we, everybody went and we were like, saw these huge lines and we all kind of were like, all right, I'm not going to bother with this. I'm going home. We learned after the fact, just because one, there was one couple there who like had to go back. Somebody forgot their bracelet. And when she went back, they told her, and you know, this gets you, you can cut all of the lines if you use this. So they were the only people who knew that you got to cut the lines. Uh, so yeah, it's not, yeah. not always the best communication. Um, I think that it's gotten better uh, over time though. Um, all right. So you were great in the season long space in uh in fantasy sports uh and that was 2007 2008 you won those contests back yes. to back and then 2009 i guess you got 10th uh so so when when and how did you uh then get into dfs so one of the people i was uh, it, that was in the competitive leagues with me he told me about i forget if it was draft street or FanDuel, but those were the first two i played on it so i didn't understand what they were so he sent me his like referral link it's like oh if you click through my link we each get ten dollars or whatever so we did that and 
and then it was FanDuel um, that I remember playing on at first. And and then I found Draft Street or vice versa. But the Draft Street way back then, they used to put like their weekly winning winners gross totals up. And there was this guy named Hicksville Hunk that would that would had would like always be up around twenty thirty thousand dollars a year. So I thought this was some like money laundering operation. I thought this thing was highly illegal. I was never into online poker, so I had no no bearing to understand that. And I was just like how could what do you mean i've just been paying 9.99 for a year-long league now you want me to pay you know how much is this guy winning again <laughs> so i was and being an accountant i'm like this, the math this doesn't math out right it doesn't math out so i was incredibly skeptical and then we realized all right well i guess this, yes we're allowed to do this your next thought was oh my god where have you been all my life this is the greatest game ever <laughs> so yep I know that feeling. Yeah, I love those are my two thoughts. Dear God, this is illegal and they're laundering money or, oh, you beautiful thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all had kind of that that same transition of like, is this okay for me to do this? Like, is this legal? Because, you know, we can't sports bet in Minnesota. I think that's true in a lot of states on DFS at that point. At that time kind of felt similar. But yeah, I also I came from the season long space and loved uh, season long fantasy sports and that kind of uh, was kind of a natural transition to DFS. Although at the time when I started, I didn't realize that they are very, very different games. I think that's <laughs> not always apparent to people that, that DFS and, and season long are extremely different games. Uh, although, you know, involving a lot of uh, similar skills. So I think uh, if you're good at one, you can be good at the other. If you, if you put in the work generally, I would say, um, were you a winning DFS player right away? Yeah, I, I l- actually lucked out, and I think after, I mean, I, I only ended up depositing a couple hundred dollars, and then I ended up, this is way back when, I mean, they used to, like, it was a Friday contest or a Sunday contest would be, like, a $10 entry fee, and there'd be, like, 500 people in it, and you'd, you know, be, oh, my God, it's a $5,000 prize pool, and the winner would get, like, 500 bucks and second place would get like 400 and 300 like so it was like if you got in the top 10 you like did very well and that was really it and mass multi-entry really wasn't like people would put in three or four or five lineups i don't even know if there were lineup caps back then you built everything by hand obviously there were no projections there were no starting lineups pages (laughs) twitter didn't really exist uh for sports it barely existed as as much of anything at that point so that was that was kind of the the first foray into it and i ended up there's a, a site called daily joust and you ended up winning they did a, a, I forget what they, for some the joust of champions or whatever, but they had a, a, a 12 seat contest. And it was, I think it was like for 12 or $15,000, but first prize got um, uh, $5,000 and you had to win it. And it, so there were only like 12 contests to win in on. And I think you had to beat like 300 people. It was like a dollar, $2 or whatever it was. Maybe you had to beat 500, whatever the math worked out, works out to be to get that prize pool. And so I ended up getting a seat and I ended up winning that. So I won that in September of 2011. So okay. that, that would have been right, like two months into doing it. And all of a sudden I got $5,000. So kind of from that point on, I've never, te- you know, I move money between accounts or I'll, you know, use my credit card to get a deposit bonus. I've never gone in the red since then. So technically I've never, you know, been a losing player. I've had two calendar years where i've lost um 
Yeah. But one, I got, I was up big and ended up losing earlier. <laughs> that, that made me rethink my approach to, yeah, I'm probably going to keep the day job. Oh, I don't know how this happens. And, you know, dear God, I just, you know, blew 80 grand. That was the dumbest thing I could have done. And that helped me recalibrate to say, you know what, let's put this in perspective. I'd like this to be fun. It is a lot of fun. Let's change our goals. Let's change the approach. Of, of what I'm doing. And that was kind of where I said, you know, I'm, I'm good with the day job. I'm good doing all sorts of content and, and I'll still play compared to the average person a lot. I put in, you know, somewhere between 100 and 120,000 a year in, in entry fees. That's like 300, 400 bucks a day. Right. So it's not like huge money unless you, you know, you explain to your wife, you know, how much could we'll look at yeah. our taxes? How much did you do? Like, no, it's the same couple thousand dollars over and over. And then I withdraw and then it's over and over and over. And then I withdraw. And no, so I'm not yeah. depositing. Right. So she's like, oh, okay. I said, if I start depositing or you see stuff on credit cards, then, then we'll talk until yeah. then just, I'm, you know, where I am, I'm up in my office glued to the computer. Yeah. <laughs> so. I've seen, I've seen your account balance. I know that we take a different approach. You keep a lot of money just <laughs> sitting there so you can play and not have to worry about it. I'm constantly withdrawing, depositing, withdrawing, depositing. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to take a little bit more of your approach. Cause that seems just. Well, if that goes back into the joint account, then it's like on the radar. I'd rather just keep it there and then move it over, you know, 10 grand at a time or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So, so you, you hit on uh, why you are not playing such high stakes. Uh, but we, we got that question from Michael Campbell actually DM me to ask, uh, when are you moving up in stakes? Uh, it sounds like not anytime soon. You're not, you don't have any plans to move up in stakes. No. And, and here's why, and I don't think it's a bad thing, right? And it all comes down to what do you want out of it? So for me, I mostly play on DraftKings. Uh, right now. And because I'm not yet at my million dollars in entry fees, I can still play any any uh, contest entry size. So I was mathing it out the other day. So I think I'm going to skip NFL aside from showdown on DraftKings today. And I think I can stretch it into, I, I'll make it next year before I hit my million. I might be able to squeak out one more year of like baseball, hockey, and and basketball, which are I prefer much more than uh, NFL. So I, I'm kind of rethinking that. But I've already started looking for NFL. I'm going to be moving over to Yahoo or FanDuel. I want to try something different. You know, DraftKings is fun. I think it has the best user interface. I like full PPR. I like everything that they do. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. But... I don't really want to go against the, the, the people in the higher dollar amount. Now it's not, I will play anybody at one per one line per whatever at any, any entry fee. I'm not worried about that. No, I don't want to duck them, but I also will play all these slates to win all these crowns to get the, the rewards programs. So if I forget a slate, which I usually do four 
or so times a week for hockey showdown or soccer EPL on a Sunday or whatever. And I'm donking off 20 bucks at a time. I don't get mad. I just put in a decent placeholder lineup. Sometimes it min gashes. Sometimes I forget about it. I now take into setting alarms on my phone to remind myself I've got these lineups out there. Sometimes the alarm goes off. Like, what the hell is this for? Turn it off and forget. Oh, yeah, I've got money out there. But if I'm going to lose that, stuff, I don't want to have to get mad and, and get angry about it. So that's where I'm sort of staying at the lower dollar amount. But, you know, like a normal NFL weekend, I'll have two or three grand in play across all the different betting and sports and sites and whatever. That's, that's not small potatoes. I used to do when I was thought I might go not necessarily pro, but like do this high, high, high volume. I was playing like 10 grand a weekend, like six, seven years ago. And I'm just like, that's that's not where my headspace is. I don't want to do that. And when you lose, like, what's the point? And then I'm grumpy and then I got all a day job and I got it right. So it's just like, yeah, it's not worth it. So whatever I put in, if I lose for the day, it's like, what else? You know, uh, you know, I forgot there was a rain out, there was a whatever. Just, you don't let it dominate your life. Yep. Find different goals. So my goal is to make the Onyx tier in, in DraftKings or FanDuel. I'm looking to see what they have. And some of the, you know, Yahoo, I've got a whole bunch of deposit money from when they first started that never expires. So I can play through that or whatever. So there's always, I like to look for the game within the game. I like to test out all of our different content, our different tools, different strategies, doing content so much. It's, you lose a little bit of the joy for what you're doing. So it's always fun to do NASCAR or during the pandemic, uh, the League of Legends, or I, I didn't know it was called CSGO. I thought it was CSGO or whatever, you know, learning how to you know, play those and just going off like you're brand new at, at seeing this stuff again. That's cool. You forget what that's like. So I like, I get more fun out of doing that or mucking around with EPL. And, and that turned me into being actually a pretty decent NHL player too. Um, just using our tools, figuring this stuff out, et cetera, at Stochastic. So that, for me, is the puzzle, the challenge, the instead of doing crosswords or community theater or singing the church choir, I'm doing this, right? So all right, put so, enough out there. We'll keep a little score. We'll make a little something. Yeah. Get The wife can go on her, her half marathon trips all over the U.S. And, and I'll fund those if she doesn't bother me about lock and DFS. So. <laughs> all right. So I think that uh, a couple questions come up for me uh, from that question. One of them being, I, I want to get into how you are a, a relatively low stakes player. And that's a very relative term because compared to a lot of people, you are playing pretty high volume. You're just not playing high volume compared to a lot of like DFS pros. What, what I play in a year, Adam probably does in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, so yeah. it's like, it's, it's not even close, but I'm still probably in the top 1%, if not a percentile of the top 1%, right. right. Of the actual daily volume of people. So. Yeah. I mean, I think there are people who have, I, I've, I've heard that there are people who have a million dollars in volume in an NFL Sunday, on an NFL Sunday sometimes. So uh, yeah, no, nowhere near them and, and I'm nowhere near them either. So you're, you're high stakes compared to a lot of people, but you are still relatively low stakes yeah. for somebody who is in the Onyx tier. So I do want to talk about uh, how you how you get that done to be in the Onyx tier, but I want to save that a little bit for, sure. because we got a question uh, later on about uh, the DK rewards tiers. And I, I'd like to talk about that a little bit more then. Um, but the other question that came up is you talk about how you're into hockey and how you play all these different sports and you're going to be taking NFL largely off from drafting this year. So I'm just curious, uh, which sport or sports do you think you have the biggest edge in? Uh, MLB for sure. It's, it's my favorite by far. Uh, I embrace the variance that to me is, is the most enjoyable. It's my favorite sport to follow watching. Well, it's nice having the MLB 
package and being able to go see your pitchers or if your person's up at bat, whereas basketball, I'll actually watch whatever game I have on the screen, right? It's, you can get yeah. into it uh, and not have to change as much. But um, for me, it's baseball. Next would be basketball. For as much as I like hockey, I don't watch it that much. It's just kind of a function of time. Um, but it's a it's very similar strategy wise to, to baseball and the variance is, is rather similar in goalies approach versus pitchers and line stacking and power play stacking and stuff like that. So um, I, I do enjoy the construction and looking, I usually look at that the next morning just to see how I did. Um, I don't usually follow along at night that much. And a lot of the West coast games, they don't get started till 10 or 10 30 in Cal um, in Vancouver and in sure. uh, Los Angeles, et cetera. So. Okay. I'm on the East coast. So <laughs> that's well, well past my bedtime. When I wake up to go to the bathroom, I'm kind of like, Oh wow. It's one 30 and the game's still going on. Glad I didn't stay up and watch. Right? Yeah. yeah. Especially with baseball. Um, all right. With your history as a successful season long fantasy sports player, uh, have you gotten into best ball at all? I have. And it, the funny thing is where I work for my day job now, our busiest time of the year is in the summer. Traditionally, I would be on busiest times always the end of the year, right? The end of the year bonus. What are we doing to, for stock grants? What are we doing for annual uh, salary planning and adjustments? We're on a, uh, uh, July 1st through June 30th. So our busy time is in the middle of summer, which crushes me from doing a lot of best ball. Um, prior to this, I would usually draft about 100 or 200 teams. Um, when I was really into it, underdog did not exist. So it was more, you're just playing at, you know, 10, eight, 10, 12 man leagues. And then, you know, you win whatever, if you have the most points at the end of week 16, you, you won your league. Okay. So this year I've done some on drafters cause there's going to be some overlay there. So I did about, um, we're recording this on a, on a Tuesday on the Monday for Memorial day, I did five there. Um, I've done probably 10 regular season long leagues that most of them are for money, but that's managed leagues. I'll probably do another five before Thursday. So I'll only have around 10. Um, I would have liked to have 20 to 50 just didn't work out for me this year, but I've listened to a ton of content consumed it because most of the best ball um, information applies to the season long managed league. So if you're doing your home league or you, a few money leaks or whatever, um, you can, you can have, uh, it's worthwhile to listen. And then it also gets you up to speed for week one, you know, who's where, what their roles are going to be, et cetera. So I consume the content. It's just a matter of, I can do that while I'm, you know, walking the dog or doing whatever, but then it's like, all right, well, I'm already busy and baseball and baseball content. It's like, when, when am I going to draft? Yep, <laughs> so. yep. Well, it occurs to me that, uh, so we're, as you said, recording this on Tuesday. By the time this comes out, it'll be too late to enter any best ball drafts for any of our listeners. Uh, the best ball deadline will have I passed. wish they would just, whatever happens on Thursday gets folded in and they would keep the drafts open until Sunday. It would be so much nicer. It would be I easier. get why they have to close it, but it's like, come on. There's really not that much that can change in that one game. And if everybody knows it's happening and somebody reaches for a two touchdown performance by somebody, knock them out. It's now a 17 game season. So right. <laughs> yeah, knock I yourself can... out on that overreach. Cause that means something else fell. Right. So well, then is it, I, I guess people who drafted earlier, maybe will be upset that they didn't have the same information, but that's kind of true for anybody who drafted earlier. Even yeah. now we have more information. So yeah, I can, I can see, I can see your point there. Uh, but the, what I was getting at though, is I was going to ask you since it's too late for other people to draft, can you just tell me who's your secret? Who's going to blow up? Who's going to break best ball this year? I, 
the 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 people i think russell wilson's gonna have a good year sorry seahawks <laughs> as a diehard seahawk fan it, it sucks i i don't know how i'm gonna watch any of the games sorry geno smith oi oi but um i like uh pollard tony pollard tony pollard yeah i think elliot is just being carried by jerry jones I think he's a reasonable starting running back who would be easily a starting running back on half the teams in the league, but he's more like a David Montgomery than he is. Oh dear God, that look at his equal Elliott. He can score on the run. He can score on the pass. He's averaging five yards carry. You know, he was amazing his first couple of years, but injuries just at the running back position just take their toll. And I forget how old he is. I think he's like 27 or 28. Yeah. But they take the number of hits they take from high school into college. And even though now they only play a couple of years in college, going you know to the next uh before they get to the next phase it's just it's a lot of hits okay it's, yeah. it, and it just i think it just wears on them so running back yeah running backs especially they just take so much yeah so tony, tony pollard probably my favorite i like uh i think sutton or judy will do well that's kind of the byproduct there of yep. russell wilson albert o um wilson is always uh in his last like six years uh five of his last six years in seattle i think almost 30 percent of his touchdowns have gone to tight ends doesn't matter which one, he's yeah. agnostic there, but it's just he really spreads the ball around. But I think that bodes well for for Albert O um, in the red zone as well. So okay, well, those are those are kind of guys I'm looking at. Mike, I hope you're taking notes because you're you're the only other person here in this right now. So me and Mike, remember, <laughs> we Mac likes some best ball. Uh, all right, we, we won't get into any more best ball because uh, it's kind of irrelevant to all the other listeners outside of me and Mike. So let's let's talk about process a little bit. Uh, first of all, do do you do any simulations of your own or use simulations from any other outside sources? No, I do. Everything I look at is, is, uh, I know you like to call it publicly available because if you just, you know, put, put your hard earned cash in there, you, you have access to it. That's the only barrier to entry. But 95% of the information I take is, is from stochastic. Okay. So it's, yeah, publicly available. If you pay for it, a lot of it is behind the paywall. And yes, a lot of the stochastic tools, uh, you know, obviously are using simulations, the, uh, top stacks tool, that kind of stuff is right. using simulations, but you're not doing any of your own stuff outside of what Stochastic has to offer. Okay. Uh, you do, you use an optimizer. Uh, I Correct. assume you use Fantasy Cruncher because that's also the uh, Stochastic available optimizer. Um, do you create your own projections from scratch? Nope. Everything I use is going to be from there. Now, the one thing I do that's a little different than a lot of our contributors, I don't have the sorting mechanism. I don't build the 1,000 or 1,500 or 5,000 lineups to cull it down to whatever I want. I build out what I'm going to use. Now, I will run multiple crunches, uh, which is what's called the iteration in Fantasy Cruncher once you uh, run a, a, a lineup set. I'll decide what I want to keep for those, move those over to um, a, a storing crunch and then do a new one move the lineups i want over etc it's a little easier to do for football because you have a lot more time uh, unless something crazy happens with inactives so that strategy is a little easier for basketball and baseball and hockey i just kind of set um floor parameters like i don't want less than this many points on a lineup and i'll just have to accept if it's keeping me away from things like i've done this i've been using fantasy cruncher I started doing some beta testing for them, I think seven years ago now. So I've been using it for a long time. Um, so I have some different tricks or ways I do it just to sort of chop off the crappy lineups. And then again, it's like, you know, if I'm only playing a couple hundred bucks, I'm not going to lose sleep if it's 
I will find leaks and trim them out from time to time. But my what I do is my air quote process. Uh, it's it's pretty decent. I don't get bad lineups. I may be leaving some on the table, but but again, I have a, it's a function of time for me, and it's more fun for me to have a little action on the game than it is to you know be absolutely perfect. If I were doing what you do or at stakes of anybody um, of that ilk, I would do things entirely differently. But if you're like, you know, for all of you following along at home that aren't quite the high stakes folks like me, you want a little something on the game, you want to make it interesting, there are ways to do it and use tools and make things in, in an economical fashion that would be the same as if you went golfing every weekend or you did a fishing trip every year with your buddies or you did skiing or whatever it is. You can come up, this is entertainment, right? The goal is not to lose money. You can actually win money, but even if it's just an entertainment expense, you can do it in a way where it's completely palatable. So I, I'm actually uh, similar to you in, in most sports. In, in MLB, I only run a crunch of the lineups. I actually use the late swaptimizer tool. So I'm just putting it in and it's making 150 lineups for me or however many I'm playing that day. And I'm not I doing finally, it. For those of you listening along, I finally figured out why I think it's you and a Hubro do uh-huh. this. It's because all you have to do once you've done, so you just get, you you upload the contest you've already entered, meaning you can't add yep. to it without creating a new CSV. You put that into the late swaptimizer function, play around with it, make it do whatever you want to do. You get the same fantasy cruncher flexibility. And then when you download it, you just upload that CSV. You don't have to copy and paste it back into your lineup template. It took me forever to figure out why you guys did that. Yeah, and that easy. doesn't work for me because I like to keep joining I like to play the smaller leagues. Okay. That's my strategy. I don't play the, the giant GPPs. I prefer to play 500 people and less. So I got to constantly join those because they don't put enough of them out there. They do on FanDuel. It's just like looking at moving over there for, for NFL. They don't put enough of those out on DraftKings for me to get a full what I would like to play. So I have always adding to it as they spawn for the last two hours. Okay. Um, so that's why I keep mine in, in a separate thing. But it it took, I'm like, why are they going to late swaptimizer? Aha! Yes. You guys just are just skipping That's a all. step. <laughs> yeah, we're skipping a step. And it doesn't work for uh, Showdown. So one thing to keep in mind, if you are oh. playing Showdown, it's not going to work. It does work for like MMA, even though like you can't make any swaps after lock, it still works mm-hmm. for MMA. I, I actually haven't tested on, maybe they've changed that for Showdown. Maybe it works now too. But uh, just a note that if you are going to use late swaptimizer, uh, it's probably not going to work for Showdown. Uh, at least it did not last year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you in that I'm basically just creating the lineups that I'm going to use. And I do do, I run several crunches to get that 150 set. So mm-hmm. it's not entirely true. I am, but I'm doing a 150 at a time until I get, you know, exposure levels and, and lineups that look kind of the way I want them to. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Emac to tell you about our sponsor, Odd Shopper. Make your best bets in 30 seconds or less with Odd Shopper. With hundreds of bets featured daily, Odd Shopper gives you the edge you need betting player props and game lines across all sports. Sign up for free now via the link in the video description below to gain access to our proprietary data, which will help you make your best bets. With expected win percentages and ROIs included, OddShopper uses the same DFS projections we use here at Stochastic to filter out the best bets available. OddShopper also features a parlay builder with optimized parlays and an arbitrage tool that identifies risk-free guaranteed profit bets that you can make across sportsbooks. Um, all right. So we, we've talked about kind of a lot of your process, uh, just more strategy here. Uh, how much does ownership play a role in creating your lineups? 
it's so again, I don't weight it as much. And when, when you're playing at the entry uh, fee level, I am, I prob I mean, you can tell a lot of people are doing the same thing or similar things. They're using optimizers. They have projections, they have all of that, but there's still enough people that just degaff or don't care or whatever. So I don't get as caught up in it. Um, I, you still will follow kind of what is, you know, our ownership, which is based upon the projected player popularity for usually the largest tournaments. We, yeah. in some sports, we will do the smaller tournaments or the high stakes tournaments, but it, it's a generally a decent proxy across most things. So in football, I try to keep, I try not to go more than 40% of anybody in football, um, you have to be careful and doing football at the last minute is very easy to get these excellent point per dollar plays that you don't want more than 10% of in any circumstance come up on 90% of your lineups. And that's just a disaster basketball. I don't mind that as much. There's usually a reason the people are popping up um, that, that well baseball. I mostly focus on the pitchers. I generally like the two pitcher sites. So I will either hand build uh, a couple lineups for Yahoo um, usually on Fridays and Saturdays when I have time to play there in addition to DraftKings. Otherwise, I focus more on um, the percentage I want for my stacks and the percentage I want for my pitchers. Those I will change. Uh, same thing for hockey. I focus more on goalies and team stacks. Um, football, it, I will build things out in sections of who, which quarterback am I locking, which game stack am I trying to do, which whatever am I trying to do. Let's do that. Let's look. Let's find 20 lineups we like. Let's set those aside. Now let's do it for a different group of players. I agree that uh, what most of our contributors do when they've created their sorting mechanism to weight in probabilities and ownership and projection and product of ownership and sum of ownership. That's the correct way of doing it. I just feel like where I feel, I want to get my hands in the, in the pasta, right? I want to be mixing it in the mixing bowl. Right. And that feels more like it to do it this way. Um, could I easily build one of those out? Yeah, I, I could, cause I'm good at Excel, but that, that I want, I feel like I'm more a part of this process if I'm the one. That's putting my thumb on the scale when I need to. So for me, it's it's more the fun and, and the enjoyment of it. I agree that that is the most efficient way of doing things, but it, where's the fun in that, right? All right. So so not not as big of a role for you as it is for a lot of players. Okay. Uh, what about avoiding being duplicated? It's a kind of a different question about like your full lineup being duplicated by other players. Is that a big part of your strategy in any contest? No, I, I don't worry about that. all. No, I dramatically would for MMA, but I really only play uh, enough there to get my little achievement uh, points on uh, DraftKings. And otherwise I don't worry about that. And I don't, I, while I like the MMA highlights every now and then, I don't really like to watch people beat the hell out of each other. Uh, once upon, I mean, it's a huge Mike Tyson fan. That was like appointment viewing back in the day when I was uh, really into that sort of thing. But as, I don't know, as I get older, it's like, concussions and brain damage and oh dear god it's like they're running into a brick wall at 35 miles an hour it's all of a sudden I'm like baseball so much nicer <laughs> basketball well they could get a concussion when they fall if somebody undercuts them but otherwise it's pretty nice right so those are kind of the sports I like sorry I didn't get there but the duplication factor like I am very intrigued by what listening to what you and and Jordan Cooper blender um, uh, talk about and people are like oh all they do is talk about MMA it's like no you dorks they're talking about a solvable a potentially 
solvable math yeah. problems, strategically anyway, with limited variables where it becomes very, very important to understand that if you are zagging with everybody, whoever zigs, if that comes to fruition, is paid off handsomely. Yeah. And the rest of you are fighting for a piece of a small-ish pie, right? Which would you rather have? You know, the dopamine hit of, I'm in cashed, or taking down the whole damn thing, right? Yeah. Okay, well, you have to do sort of like, same thing. You could do the same thing with NASCAR, right? You only get six drivers. There's These days, there's only like, what, 36 to 40 drivers in any race, you need to do something similar or you're just going to be duplicated all over the place. Um, for me, I just throw extra randomness on it in those sports and I don't worry about it as much, but I'm not playing. If I was doing a 150 max, it any the $8, the $15 or higher, yeah, I'd absolutely worry about duplication. And For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Same thing that you do for showdowns. I would worry about it a lot more there. For showdowns, I like to make a few lineups. Um, uh, because I think it's incredibly fun. And I actually like the showdown uh, football more than I do regular football, which I used to, that was like the exact opposite. I think that is because football is such a gut punch the entire day when you're watching the whole thing. You either, you don't know exactly what you're rooting for. There's all sorts of touchdowns you have no part of. Your people can get hurt. And then we're not even halfway through the morning games, right? And then we get the Octobox coming on and the Triple Witching Hour and all. It's like, it's, it's too much. It used to be fun, but now it's just too much. So I prefer, somehow now I like the showdown games. <laughs> than the, than I, the you're not alone in that. I think that a lot of people have come around to showdown. Like a, a lot of us had that opinion of, well, what's the point of this game? Everybody's just yeah. going to be duped at the top. You're going to be like, it says the, the max prize is 100,000, but really everybody who wins just gets 1,000. And then eventually I think players have gotten better to the point where it's like, well, if I get a little bit different, I can take home a bigger mm -hmm. a bigger piece if I if I do win. And it just, it is more interesting. So I don't think you're alone in, uh, in finding Showdown more interesting as time has gone on. Now the question is how long we have before it's a little bit more solved and uh, it's impossible to get different. And we're kind of back to where we started. Now, part of how I com combat that a lot is I play in the smaller uh, 200 people and less, right? So it's sure. it's way different than than playing in those giant fields. Yeah, the giant fields, it, you just, 
I mean, look at basketball. It doesn't even have to be a duplicate, uh, uh, the same duplicated lineup. Your scores, a three pointer at the end of the game can move you up, up or down 10% of your winnings, right? <laughs> so things are so tightly packed. It just, it becomes crazy in some of those larger fields. So I, that's why I like kind of the smaller fields. For me, it's about, did it work out? Did I get the strategy? You know, I like I like the dopamine hit of, yeah, I won. Okay, well, I didn't win eye-popping dollars, but, you know, my goal at the end of every year is to, to play $100,000, $125,000 and come home with ten dollars to $15,000, right? Yep. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. If you were, if your hobby was watching movies or knitting or whatever, and you said, oh, I'm going to come home every year with $10,000, pretty cool hobby, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, there's my hobby. Yeah. And if you're enjoying it throughout the process and throughout watching and stuff, you, it's a lot of enjoyment that you get out of it throughout the year. Um, so yeah, same, same page as you there. Um, let's talk about your, your process just a little bit, like in terms of how much time it takes you to create lineups and stuff. And let's start with, with MLB, where you have mm -hmm. your biggest edge, uh, how long before the first games lock do you typically get started working on a given slate? And I realize as I'm asking this, you do content, uh, starting kind of in the morning. So that might change your answer a little bit, but, uh, in general, how, how much time are you spending and what does your process? Yeah. So like? if I, if I set doing content and stuff like that aside, I can come in just using our tools and probably get everything done that I want to do in about 30 minutes. And it would be half that if we had all the lineups. So when we have these, sometimes we've been having some more imbalanced slates where there's, you know, eight games and six of them are going off between seven and seven fifteen. Okay, great. We're going to have most of the lineups, the rest of them. Oh, great. It's somebody facing the Dodgers. I don't want them. Or it's, you know, it's, it's something else where like, well, whatever. I, San Francisco, keep your lineup. I don't care. I don't need it. I'm not going to play any of your players anyway. Right. So it's, it's one of those where, I can do it much faster for that, but I would say any sport, probably about 30 minutes because I am an idiot. I mean, I'm sorry, a fanatic and play multiple sports when it's hockey, basketball and baseball and all that together. Um, I have to sacrifice a few things here or there. Usually I will, I will um, preset for, for, um, Basketball, it's easy. I just upload our projections for ownership and go plus or minus five to 10% on who I want to get over or who I want to get under. And that doesn't take too long to do. Sort it by the most 20 highly projected, the most 20 highly most popular, and the 20 uh, point per dollar, best point per dollar. And all of a sudden, you've at least physically moved up or down about 40 of the player pool. That with some randomness or uniques will get you a, a, a good enough spread that'll keep your core intact. That'll get you what you want. Baseball, it's easy enough to just look at and see. All right, here's what I'm going to do for the stacks and the ownership. Same thing for hockey using our top stacks tool. So I can get to it pretty quick. Football's the one that takes longer because if you're not paying attention to it, you can end up with these one-offs that you just you would never take under any circumstance whatsoever, and then they end up being 25% of your line. It's like, well. I'd rather have, you know, five guys be 5% each than this guy at 25%. Yeah. How yeah. did that happen? And who do I have to go manually change? And if you cap those, all of a sudden somebody else is jumping off for 25%. You're like, no, this is not what I want. But then if you get it too tight on the, the player caps, then you get garbage as well, right? So football, I have a harder time doing it more quickly. I do too. Um, I do too. Football is the ones where, where I, I wake up Sunday morning and I'm usually, I wake up early on sometimes like 8 a.m. and it's the game start at noon here in Minnesota. So it's, I spent about four hours a lot of the time 
uh, and I'm just crunching and recrunching and recrunching and changing my uh, exposure levels or changing, tweaking projections just slightly to, to change a little bit in terms of the exposures that I get. Uh, but it's also very rewarding when it goes well and then super frustrating when uh, you, you spend four hours before and then five minutes into the slate, you've got Naheem Hines has his second touchdown and you're dead, dead in the water. Um, so that, that can happen in NFL. But yeah, I'm similar to you where most sports I can do it half hour or less really setting my lineups. Uh, football is the one that for me also takes a little bit more time. Uh, and, and what do you do? Do you, do you usually listen to live shows while you are working, yeah. creating lineups? Yeah. I like to listen to me. It's more one. It's a function of entertainment for me um, for most of the sports, uh, except for basketball. When you, you just, you have to have something on that gives you the news. And then I like the immediate, immediate response or take of how someone's going to handle it or break it down. Um, but yeah, I listen to most of our stuff on, on football. I'm in and out of my office doing whatever, but I'll have our three hour show block on and, and just kind of see what's going on or what people mention. Because the interesting thing now is I'm trying where it's, I'm trying to, the other reason I'm kind of going away from some of the stuff for NFL, I want to get more into the sports wagering and this, okay. in particular player props and it's harder to do with all the other many things that are taking my time. That's something I've never been able to carve out. Now it's legal in Virginia. Plus we've got great sites like prize picks and, and other stuff where I, I would like to play. I need to set it rather than me screwing around with my, you know, main slate lineups, I'd rather just play the showdown contests and then focus on some of that. Um, to see. So was I, it just recently legalized in Virginia? It was right before the Tom Brady Super Bowl his last one with Tampa. Okay. So it like literally was weeks prior to that. Um, must I don't, I can't remember if it was like ready in December or it was like a January 1st thing. That I don't remember for sure, but the really, it was only around for a little bit before that. So it's one thing to, you know, hear the spread and this and that. And then it's another to be putting your money behind it, right? Cause you're like sitting there going, all right, I'm going to put 20 bucks down on this I get what the spread is. I understand this. The hell is a teaser? <laughs> you know? yeah. what? Okay, I get parlays. I understand that. What is it now? I can't, if I can't pick, you know, something from each team on a normal parlay, I have to do a same game parlay? What the hell does that mean, right? Yeah. Wait, I can't do a same game parlay and pick something from another? This is, right? So you, you run into all these little roadblocks. And the learning curve on that, I found, is a, a little from a user perspective, a little harder. And I, right now I'm just on the DK one, but I'm, I'm going to sign up for a few of them because I'd like to try the arbitrage, right? Or the, yep. the true line shopping, uh, especially for college football. Um, so we have some good stuff from that, from uh, Matt Kajeski and from Ben Rossa. So that for me, I think is going to replace some of what I'm doing for DFS. That would fall miles behind still from baseball, hockey, and, and basketball for me. But it's rather than main slate football, I'd rather do that. Um, well, that. That brings up a question for me. So it's not legalized here in Minnesota. Yeah, we can't sports bet. I'm very much looking forward to the days when we can. And it will be a long learning curve for me as well. But uh, the question I want to ask is, so you say that you're kind of getting away from DFS in football a little bit in, in favor of sports betting. Do you have concerns that DFS is going to be cut back significantly in the coming years are going to become, you know, kind of unbeatable because, you know, people are getting sharper all the time. Um, people are going to be going away to sports betting. Maybe the prize pool is shrink. Is it, do, do you, do you see DFS going away as a full-time profession? You know, currently, I don't know how many people do it as a full-time profession currently, but uh, do you think that's going to be feasible in, in five years? It, maybe 
And so I don't think DFS will go away. I don't think it's going, what's going to, what could happen is enough of those top heavy price pools finally suck the life out of the, the top heavy price pools are the most egregious thing they ever do, right? That money doesn't stay in the, in, in the, the ecosystem, if you will, it leaves, right? If I want a million dollars, great. That's not coming back in in any form or fashion for me, because I, you know, my would be my, oh, I won a few tickets. Here we go. I'm in the Millie Maker. I won. Ha, sayonara. That money's coming with me. I'm not changing the way I play. Uh, I have now accelerated my um, retirement horizon by <laughs> two years, right? But maybe I'll be doing DFS content full-time, but I'm not going to change the way I play. Yeah. So that, to me, will hurt the people doing this full-time the lack of the gigantic prize pools because people are absolute morons and don't understand how math works. will take the casual out because they can't win whatever it is. They'll still be the puzzle for people like me to play that. I don't think would ever go away, but those gaudy prize pools that it, where I don't take my toe, those, those could be definitely at risk. It's a sliding scale. I think that they will come up with things to combat it. I'd like to see some, innovation with some of the things we do with DFS, but the challenge we've seen is the one, the biggest company is in DFS, the most idiotically run company uh, out there, but they're focused on what is the biggest customer acquisition and that's sports betting. And none of the smaller sites have found enough traction to challenge the big two. It's not even the big two and a half anymore. It's just the big two. So what will we see? more sports wagering DFS and as a form of sports wagering like prize picks and no house advantage and the myriad of other sites that do that. But could somebody grind out $250,000, a year like they can now? Probably not. And where people think, oh, that's a lot of money. Well, no, that's like being paid like $170,000 a year because you got to take your benefits. You got to pay both sides of the tax, the payroll taxes. You have to have a cushion. You, there's no retirement. If you're not, if you're on vacation, you're not making money, right? So it's all of that. So people are like, oh my God, if I was making $300,000, it's like, well, and your stress and the heartburn. And there's probably what, 400 or so people that are doing that right now. It's a pretty yeah. small group. Yeah, it's not um, a large group of people. We feel like, oh, it's all these people. It's like, no, you just happen to know a bunch of them who are also visible because they're really, really good, or they're doing some content because it helps the, I can at least pay my bills and mortgage and all of that. I won't make anything more than that, but hey, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Those are important things. And then anything else I get is, is a positive. And oh, if I'd like to retire or go on vacation or buy a new car or whatever, I better be good at this, right? So those, that, hybrid will i think that'll stay a little bit but it's hard to tell but i think we're a good three or four years out we're going to have more problems with the climate and the economy yeah. and all of that before it comes down to this so okay <laughs> so a lot of there'll, other there'll be other factors that kibosh it you know okay. not to rain on anybody's per not to make it all political or anything <laughs> but i am running for president, You're running for president. <laughs> but not with a political party to be clear that's right I, not yet to, to, be, to be determined the pizza party the pizza party. I like it. Pizza party. <laughs> there we go. go with that. <laughs> Love it. I'm voting for it. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to a few listener questions. Um, let's start with, with Dan Strafford had a question. Uh, who is the best co-host you've ever worked with? I will say the best catchphrase to open any show, any podcast ever is, and away we go. 
this is the fill in the blank of the podcast with Dan Strafford, blah, blah, blah. That was Dan, Dan is the, 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 the great voice of everybody uh, in all of this. Uh, he brings a nice, unique experience here, but I can't name favorites, right? There's, uh, I will say this. I like because in the role I'm in, we, I get stu stuck with a lot of the new people that haven't done shows before, or I will start doing podcasts with people we need to coach up on how to, to do different things. So I have the, the pleasure of working with a lot of people um, early on in, in their their we'll say broadcasting because technically this is broadcasting in their broadcasting curves and that's something that that I don't mind doing um before I got into DFS I was actually in Toastmasters um for about three or four years and just to get better at public speaking and understand different uh methodologies and strategies and things like that so that is something that I've carried forward to help people with with pointers or just to start out does that mean I'm good at it no. Am I better than average? Yes. Do I still fall into the same little annoying habits, crutch words, or whatever that anybody else can? Yeah. I'm not paying attention or I'm tired or I'm lazy or whatever. So, you know, you're never perfect. But um, to me, I would say I don't have a favorite co-host, but I think it's fun. For me, this is a huge social outlet. That's the one thing I really learned during the pandemic. Moving across the country, you know, all my friends were back on the West Coast. My family's all back on the West Coast. Um, and and, you know, then they all had kids and going a million different directions. And now most of their kids are hitting college. But it's like, well, I haven't really talked to these guys in 10 or 15 years, more than once or twice, uh, once every couple of years when I go back um, and I try to catch up or, or see some people. So this for me is a huge social outlet. So for me, a lot of it is, hey, talking before the, the shows or after the shows or um, stuff like that. So I think it's fun. I think it's great um, talking to all the different people that we have because, the while a lot of people come from some sort of math type background there are so many different types of math background you, like i'm accounting and finance you got alex who's like was math something or other um you get actuaries you get you get all sorts of different different people that are in different skill sets so you you just find out different things and this is the one common bond that we all have so even if we don't agree on a bunch of things outside of this we can set all that aside that was a very a very political answer, Emac, to not name but it's your true. favorite co-host. It's true. I it, I don't. I've I've had so many good. I've done. God, I've probably done close to two thousand shows, <laughs> and I'm constantly changing pairings because I usually yeah. work weekends or the the crappy night shifts that nobody wants or the overnight podcast. So, I anybody that uh, becomes a full timer, they they go on the main shows. They they leave me so. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I maybe I'm harboring ill will towards a lot of people that. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, then, well, that's gonna that's gonna really help leading into uh, Dan's next question. But first, I want to say I think you are great at, at great at this emac, and I think the audience loves you. So I think that uh, <laughs> speaks to how good you are as a broadcaster, if if that's what we want to call what we do. Uh, I think you're great great at it. But this leads to the next question, which is uh, who is your most hated co-host? Let's let's get the claws out. Whether it's somebody that you hate yourself or oh. the audience hates. There's only one person, the person who, who blocked me on Twitter. I believe they were a former bachelor. They're very, oh, thin no. skinned. very, very thin skinned. No, I had to do a bunch of podcasts with, with uh, uh, it, the name rhymes with Chris Randone. I had to do a <laughs> bunch of podcasts with him on Sunday nights. 
he he bailed on more of them than we actually did. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So there you go, Randone. I, I was you. I, I was around. No, he's a, he's a fine person or whatever. But don't flake out. That's that's like d- number one rule. Don't flake out. And two, don't flake out in the middle of a Sunday night when you're not going to have somebody. You can't just grab somebody to do it because every, especially during the fall, because everybody's either drunk, <laughs> hungover, <laughs> or wants nothing. To, hey, come on, just just jump on a show. Adam's like, you know sends back the middle finger emoji or whatever <laughs> trying to get Greg, even Aaron Brick's like, no, nah, I don't really want to. You know, it's like the people that would normally do it, they're like, no, nah, you're kind of stuck. You're like, yeah. But guys, it's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Not cool to bail. Not cool to bail. Um yeah, I'm, I'm I guess I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pile on. You don't really want to get into it at all. Um, but I think that's as good of an answer as I could have expected from you because you actually named somebody. So uh so I'll, I'll take that. I assumed it was going to be a no comment again. Um Dan Strafford has one, a third question here. Your favorite black and white television show from your youth. Oh, well, that would be a lot of them because until I was in high school, we had two TVs and one of them was black and white. (laughs) And neither one of them had a remote uh, until I was, uh, I think I was 15 or 16 when we got a TV that actually had a remote. I mean, we had a color TV and the cable box on top of it, but cable boxes back then you had to walk up and move the lever up or down and then punch a button <laughs> to get to the channel on one of the three tiers yeah. that you had. It was it's a disaster. Thank Technology's come a long way. I, th- um, the, I did see that one on Twitter. The only two shows I can remember are that I remember that were for sure in black and white, Gilligan's Island, right? Everybody's seen that when they were kids. Um, Leave it to Beaver, I know, was in black and white. Now, again, these are like, these shows were on 30 years before I was born, right? So, <laughs> well before me. And then uh, Adam 12, like an old cop show that I'm pretty sure was in black and white. Like it was a post-Dragnet type show. Um, like if you saw it, 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 they were just, they're all disasters now. When <laughs> you go back and see them, the plot yeah. holes are, the plots are very, very thin on most of these. But those, but otherwise... I think everything was in color. There. I love that. I think I think Dan was just making an Emac is old joke. And I yet, know he was. It was actually I, true I, that you had black and white TV. But we didn't have a black and white TV. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We uh, didn't have cable until I was eleven or twelve. We had we had we three channels, but we said two and a half because one of them was a. Um, they were all through the air, and we lived in a. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. In a valley, so it, was, it had uh, hills and mountains around us. And the, you'd actually do like, they, they would do fundraising to fix the satellite transistors that were placed on the mountain. And one of them, they just could never keep, uh, it would always get hit by lightning or whatever. So it barely worked half the time. So we had two and a half channels oh, most wow. of the time I was growing up until we got cable. We were also a no cable household for most of my youth. I think we yeah. had it until I like, until I was maybe like first grade. And then my parents decided to uh, no cable until maybe high school, we got it back. I don't know. It was, yeah. uh, once we had cable again, that was just incredible to me. But yeah, we were for most of my childhood, a no cable household as well. Yeah, And uh, the first cable, like it was just on the dial. It wasn't even 13 full channels. Yeah. It was just, but you could see things. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had that. We had the 13 channels maybe when, when, when I was growing up so, somewhere around there. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Emac to remind you to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Stochastic username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Um, all right. So here, here's where I want to get into the question about uh, becoming an Onyx tier member or talk about the different tiers oh, a little sure. bit. Mr. Patrick had the question. I want to hear your value estimates for DK rewards tiers and by extension, DK crowns. All right. So the mathematical value of uh, you need 550 crowns to make a dollar. So that means you would have to play, if you're just playing, you'd have to play $550 before you got a dollar back. That's garbage right that this should not move the needle for anybody then you get things that are missions so depending on what type of player you are uh, volume wise every day you'll get a mission or a couple times a week on the sports books you'll get a mission like you know bet three different two-leg parlays of ten dollars or more within the next two days and win 200 crowns right and then th those add up um, then you can also do the what they call their milestone achievements so like essentially play 100 days of EPL, a dollar or more, play all the NFL weekends or play, there's baseball, there's what, 190 days of baseball, play in 175 of them and get like 25,000 crowns. So those crowns, that's worth a little bit more, you know, 20, 40 bucks, whatever it is. And, but the more of those you get, the more you go up in the rewards tier. So if you get just 25, I think it's 25,000 to get their first tier, you get 50 bucks. If you go get like 100,000 or 150,000, you get like 200 bucks, half a million, I think you get 400 bucks. And then I think it's 500 or a thousand if you get to their Onyx tier. And then within all of that, then because they're doing their promotions a little differently, now you get different rewards. Like I got one for being the Onyx tier, um, you could do, you know, do spend this number of crowns or cash in this number of crowns over this period of time and get X number of DK bucks. Or, you know, you get this special offer of the NCAA tournament, right? You got that one. It's like, yep. okay, well, there's, there's whatever it was, 200, 300 people playing in a contest that basically at the top 150 would make at least 100 bucks because not everybody signed up for it. You know, it's little things like that. So if you put it all together, by the time you accumulated in some form or fashion a million crowns to get to Onyx, now that's a lot of money to start. That adds up. 
And then you start to look at all the different things and prizes and stuff you had. I think it's worth about $4,000 to $5,000 for Onyx per year. Now for me, it makes sense to try for that because that actually impacts my ROI because I'm only spending hundred K a year across the various sites. So that's a noticeable thing mm -hmm. for Alex, for Adam, <laughs> for Ada, they don't care. Right. But we're, we're getting the there needle. naturally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you're like, wait, what, what do you mean? I get this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you don't care. It doesn't, it's just, it's not going to move the needle, but this is like the game within the game. So if you are big in airline rewards miles or, you know, supermarket points or whatever it is that's out there, there are ways you can find little deals and stuff like that. Now that's DraftKings program. So that one is the most obvious one. Um, who else has a decent one? Price picks does these, except they do there's a little different. Like every other month, they'll do some contests where it's like, all right, today you have to play two uh, entries of nothing but golf players. All right, now you have to play the next day three entries. They each have to have at least one WNBA player. And then the next way you got to do something else. And if you do that seven days um, in a row and do whatever we ask you to do, and some of them are winning a certain amount of dollars, not profiting, just winning or doing whatever, then you get a, a card that you can earn up to the card that lets you get $5,000 if you get all five questions right that you get to pick and use at any time you want right so you know you jump through those little hoops that's a fun one to do um on on prize picks we saw we had a couple people that, that cleared five thousand dollars on the hot dog eating contest <laughs> of all things they they used their their card that they had that they had earned over a series it must have been i guess the end of the nba playoffs right it was like pick somebody from this game and do if this person you pick a rebound prop with this or whatever it is and then you jump through all those hoops, you got X, Y, Z, and then you were off and running. The most, I, I turned my Super Bowl one into $1,000. I got four out of five, right? So th those are kind of fun. And again, that moves the needle for what I do because I'm not putting a ton per se. I mean, <laughs> again, if I lost every single day, I'd lose 100000 That's a lot of money, right? Right. Okay. But um, doing it this way, I, I think those are the, the good ways to do it. You never know what's going to be out there you kind of have to read the little fine print. There are a few other sites that will send you an email. Hey, we'll give you a risk-free whatever, right? So like Superdraft or uh, I think Underdog may have done this. And then what's the other site? Monkey Knife Fight. Mm -hmm. I'll get those occasionally. Hey, you get a risk-free $20 bet. You have, you have to do this. Somebody like this player needs to be in it. One of these five questions and then do this, and then it will give you site credit if you if you lose. So I'll do those and jump in, right? And you hit a couple of those that are 10x or 20x, and all of a sudden your 25 bucks is 500 bucks. And you're like, well, that was cool, right? It's hard to do, right? <laughs> but you can, you can do stuff like that. And I think that's something that a lot of people overlook. Again, the people that are doing the heavy volume and stuff, they're not going to care. It's a drop in the bucket. I mean, they have upload errors that cost them way more than any of these would ever make them back uh, in an entire year. But for ham and eggers like me and a lot of the other people out there, it's, it's fun. It's the little challenges, right? It's like, like I don't do the video games. I, I wish I did once it got past the Sega three buttons. Once we've got a double triggers, double dumb joy, that's well beyond my capabilities. But it's like the side missions in those games, right? The little, the go save the princess or, you know, go rob the bank and don't kill anybody or whatever those are, you know, those, that's what this is to me. Yeah. So 
I think I think it's it's fun. Can I do it? But you got to math it out. Does it make sense? Because there are some of them that are suckers bet. Walk sure. away from those. Yeah. They're not just because it's out there doesn't mean it's good. And a lot of the ones they put on the sports betting books, because not just DraftKings, but even some of the DraftKings ones are. But I look at the other books, suckers bet. No point in doing it. They're yeah. just coaxing you to put money at risk. That's for those of you that just want action in it. Whatever. For Fine. those of you that are trying to profit, yeah. a lot of those are suckers bet. All right. Just meaning you may fail. You may not. It may force you into a bet that you don't want to make. The dollar amount right. you can do whatever you want with. But if it's forcing into you, you into something that you don't feel great about, don't do it. Um, okay. It just, it's not worth it. All right. Um, all right. So I, I just have one more question before we kind of ask out my, my closing it out questions. Uh, I wanted to ask you what advice you would give to somebody who wants to do content in the fantasy sports world, but doesn't have experience in the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I get, I get this question all the time, um, from people. Cause they're like, Oh my God, we see you, you, you do all this and you do writing and you do, you know, you're on shows and they don't know. We all wear back office hats. I do the contractor payments here at uh, stochastic. I was the scheduler and contract payment person at, at Fanvise. You know, I did a bunch of behind the scenes stuff when I worked at Roto Grinders, right? You just, you pick up a bunch of different hats. So the, the key thing is everybody wants to come in. Oh, I want to be on a show. I'm good at whatever. I want to do it. If it's a big three sport, it's going to be hard to break in. It really, really is just because so many people can do it. If it is more of a niche sport, you've got a better chance. What is a niche sport? Well, anything that's not the big three. But then the question becomes, you better know it. And people will know real quick if you do or you don't. So like golf, NASCAR, um, hockey, stuff like that, WNBA. But MMA. even then... It's hard because those shows don't draw a lot of people. So we, you know, we and other sites, some of those sites don't even support that at all. We'll do some content for it. How can you be good at it? Well, make some short video vignettes. Nothing stopping any. There's literally no no barrier to entry. You, every computer's got a camera now and a decent sound equipment, and you can get Streamyard. Record yourself doing a little little video, making your pick on prize picks or whatever every day and post that on Twitter or post it on YouTube or somewhere. Just get the reps in. And then when someone says, hey, we've got an opening, you can point to them. Hey, look at what I've done. And your answer isn't, oh, you should put me on a show. I, I want a GPP. You know what? That would have worked 10 years ago. That doesn't work now. <laughs> the other thing is take any opportunity you can get. Is it writing for something? Is it filling in for someone? Is it doing an interview? Is it whatever it might be? And you get your foot in the door. First thing we do when we look to find people is, are they dependable? Can we count on them? Hey, guess what? That's the same thing. Why is that important? Because content has a very limited shelf life in DFS, about six to eight hours for most of it. And then it's gone and you're doing it again the next day. People don't like that grind. And, you know, I do 500 articles a year. That's a lot. That's more than one per day on average. Yes, that's a lot. I've done over 5,000. I like it. For me, it's a creative outlet. I am doing this for different reasons other than money. It, I enjoy it. It's the process. It's capturing these things. It's having a platform. It's goofing around. It's just, it just, it's my thought exercises, right? So that does it for me. Other people were like, oh, I'm going to do this for a living. Well, while some people do make decent money, being a content producer, most people, there's no barrier to entry to this job. And contrary to what all of the Twitter warriors think that you should, shouldn't work for free, 
guess what? If you want to get the reps, you're either doing it for free on yourself and showing people, or you've got your foot in the door. Don't waste that moment. See what you can do. Do you work for free for a long time? No. Month or two tops. And even then it's for when you do, are getting paid, it'll feel like you're working for free sometimes. Am I yeah. right, Neil? <laughs> Depending where you are. I mean, and I also, I do work for free for uh, when, on, on the theory of DFS. Um, as uh, the regular guest on, on that podcast, I work for free. Uh, mostly out of just enjoyment is kind of the reason I do that. So um, Yeah, so think yeah. of it like a, the gig economy, right? So now the perfect example is, well, would, would you go drive Uber for a little bit? That's about what this is, right? You can do it from home. There's some flexibility, et cetera. Um, but are you a good writer? Okay, if you're not, then it doesn't matter what you're going to write about. Okay, you're a pretty good writer, but you only know football. All right, well, guess what? That so does everybody else. What can you do? What's the twist? You know, be like, be like Ahambro and break something down differently that nobody's looked at, or do something special or or focused, or offer up to write player blurbs, or you know, become a useful member in the Discord community. That's how. Um, News God, El Negro yep. Loco. That's how he got his job. He made himself indispensable. And now he's uh, doing a bunch of customer service stuff and other behind the scenes things in addition to running most of our news feeds. Yeah. Okay. We didn't know we needed it until we had him. Like, you know, we, we need this. Let's this get helpful. this guy yeah. over here. Yep. Um, T. McBee, Terry McBride, super active user in chat, constantly helpful with people at answering questions. Hey, we've got it. You want to be on a show? You're bringing good information. Talk to us for a second. Oh, okay, you know what you're talking about. Let's get him on air. Okay, wow, you're really good. And then he's off and running and doing a bunch of other things behind the scenes that you guys don't see that keep the company up and running, right? So those that's how you kind of get your foot in the door here. And a lot of people aren't. They just think it's all, oh, I'm going to come in and do shows and do whatever. And it's like, that's the byproduct of a couple hours of research. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's why I always say, I'm doing an article today. Of course I want to do a show. I've already started the slate. Yeah. Like, Makes oh, we don't want to overload you. It's like, you're overloading me when you spread them apart, right? Right, yeah, exactly. If I'm doing an article one day, a show the next day, I can imagine that's a lot tougher than just doing both on the same day because it's the same research that goes into each. I did not realize you do 500 articles a year. That is that is insane volume. And then you're also doing a lot of shows. And then you have a full-time job on top of it. Uh, that's uh, that's impressive. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's close it up. First, where, where can people find you, Emac? At EmacDFS on Twitter. Okay. I can't. I thought my DMs were open. I think they are. If you tag me or if you have questions, you can you can get me or emac at osmo.com is the is our email. I don't check that email, but I have it send me messages to my email when we use that one. Because people I I kept missing contributor meetings. I'm like, you guys never invite me to these contributor meetings. So like, dude, we have them all the time. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know I had an email here at Osmo. <laughs> oh, I I didn't do a ton of meetings until I started full-time. Last year as a contributor, I had virtually zero meetings. So apparently I missed that boat too, uh, but nobody ever called me out on it. So I guess that's fine with me. Um, all right, let, let's finish it off with a question that I always like to finish it off here. And you can answer about any type of format, season long, DFS, whatever. Tell me about your favorite win or win celebration uh, in any fantasy format. Oh, I would, I would say my favorite win. It's, it's always the first one, but that was like that, that one I told that $5,000, um, uh, baseball win wait right out. Not long after I started playing, like I, I knew what slate it was going to be. 
I looked ahead to pitcher matchups. I knew who I wanted in my lineup. There was, I think it was, is it Ryan Hannigan or something? The backup catcher for Cincinnati Reds way back in the day. He was like a platoon player. There was like four platoon type players that I wanted in my lineup that day. Um, I built my lineup at, at lunch and didn't change it and just let it run. Everybody came in and started like I was hoping they would, et cetera. And I led, I essentially led wire to wire. Wow. That was probably my favorite, favorite one. My second favorite one, and this is a good one to end on. This is what started it all. Um, in that same September, I got, uh, there was a contest on DraftKings, $20. It was a, I think it was a 40 or 50 person contest, the winner. And remember, this was like, oh shit. This was like, we didn't know what winner take all was back then. They didn't have that format. You, your prize was the next Friday you flew out and got to go to the Rotor Grinders inaugural um, NFL bash. Wow. And so I entered that. I think it ended up being, it didn't fill. It was like, if it was 50, there was 40 of us in it, something like that. And I picked a, that I heard about on the radio, sports radio, the local area, a young shortstop for Baltimore um, named Manny Machado, who hit two home runs that night. Wow. And I believe I led that one wire to wire. And that started this all off. I won a ticket to my wife's like, explain this to me again. You're flying out to Las Vegas to go watch football with a bunch of people. You don't know who they are. You're the, your imaginary friends. <laughs> Your fantasy friends. Yeah, pretty much. So that got got me started. That and that party, that was wild. So obviously the original Rotor Grinders, like Dan Bach, he's still around, right? Yeah. And Cal and Cam and Riley, they were the founders of Rotor Grinders. Um, but notorious Derek Farnsworth, he came. Uh, he drove. He and his wife and a couple of buddies drove down from. They were call, still in college uh, at the time from in Utah, and they drove down to that party. Uh, John Britt, JMB wingsman. Uh, he does a lot of hockey stuff. He's still around. Uh, Head Chopper and his wife were there. Um, who else was there? Napster Man was there. Uh, Beer Makers fan, Chris Prince, he was yep. there. I can't remember if it was that party or it was the next year when it, most of the people who were at that party ended up working at Rotor Grinders <laughs> in some form or fashion after that. None yep. of us worked for them then, but of the like 30 people that were there, 15 ended up doing something with them. So again, it's all about opportunity. But uh, he has a picture. I don't, I don't remember if it was that year or the year after, but he goes, would go out there every year with his dad and his brothers and they draft high stakes season long leagues. This is Head Chopper or somebody else? Uh, Chris Beer Makers, oh, beer makers Chris okay. Prince. So back then he was the fan face of FanDuel on the back of all the draft magazines. So he has a picture of him leaning back, pointing to behind him. This guy has his bag sitting there and you could see the top of the, the draft guide. It's Chris on it. <laughs> and he's pointing to it, giving it a thumbs up and his brother's taking a picture. So the guy's drafting next to the guy on the magazine and doesn't even know it. <laughs> That's really fun. Those were simpler times back then. Yeah. <laughs> and it, so, so did that did that help you get a job then at Rotor Grinders? Because then you worked at Rotor Grinders after that. Was that just a coincidence that you ended up working for Rotor Grinders? That, that gave me kind of they knew who I was. Okay. They posted a job called the Weekend Warrior, and they wanted somebody to basically run their sites uh, on the weekend. And this was before they were really doing. They were only doing weekday videos. Okay. So I ended up doing that. Um, 
like on the cheap, but it was, it was fun. I got like 50 bucks a day. So it was like well below minimum wages, but I was doing customer support and keeping tabs on the message board and writing a couple articles and doing projections and doing the newsletter and doing all that. But it was just like, it's kind of scratches that entrepreneurial itch. Plus you're like, this is the coolest thing ever. Maybe I could get a job out of this. And then you realize what everybody gets paid. (laughs) And then you're like, well, stick with the day job. But Warren Kasoy, you had him on your show. He and I were the first weekend, uh, hosts he was he had just graduated high school so he was like 17 or 18 years old yeah. and it was me and we we were the first weekend hosts that they had there. that's really funny yeah the age gap there of the, of the weekend hosts. yes but to tune in on sunday night football you get me terry and my grandson nick lepre will be joining us same crew as last year right that was the same, same yes. that did it. okay perfect all right uh Emac, this is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed having you on. We haven't gotten to talk as much as I would like, um, but thanks a lot, Emac, for coming on to episode 22 of High Stakes. Thank you to Mike Lawrence for producing as always, and thank you for watching. Uh, that'll do it for High Stakes episode 22. You'll be able to find High Stakes episode 23 two weeks from now. We're now on a bi-weekly schedule. So uh, two weeks from now on Friday, you'll be able to find episode 23 of High Stakes. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your weekend. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Some people don't think horses and people communicate. We call those people not horse people. Not horse people don't know you and your horse share a unique bond or that your horse knows you know they like your dogs. But not so much the barking. At Sentinel Horse Nutrition, we don't knock not horse people. We're too busy focusing on horse people's horses. With extruded nugget feeds for exceptional nutrition and formulas for every need, our wide choice of feeds makes it easy to find the fit for your horse's health. Find theirs at feedsentinel.com.